Welcome you to the OTP. This is the official Titan Podcast. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells is here as usual. Hello, Mike Keith. Good morning. You have your Dunkin' Donuts coffee from our new location here at Rosa Parks. I do. Can I tell you about how this Dunkin' has changed my existence? Sure. It is you have so, 20 seconds. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. The coffee is great. The donuts are better. Super convenient. Shout out to you guys. That's right. That was pretty good. And Beyond Sausage Sandwich is great, too. Mm-hmm. I had one yesterday. Good stuff. Coach Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio is back. Mike Keith. I'm and so revoiced. Happy that, I'm so happy that Duncan is open. We are, too. they got long lines, though. Well, it's not too pe- bad, but use the app. people like it. You know what? You're See, right. I pulled in you, this you t- morning, walked right in, got my coffee. You told me about the app, and you're 100% right. And once I learn how to turn my phone on, I'll do it. Mike Keith is the king of all food apps. Related apps. Yeah. He true. has all of them, and I finally got the Dunkin' one this past week, and it is rather convenient. But you know what's happening? So the Titans win, and you get a medium coffee at Dunkin' if you use the app for $1. All the time or just on a specific the day? After day the, on the Monday. day after a Titans win. Cool. That's a bargain. You do. Jim Wyatt from TitansOnline.com, the great Jim Wyatt, the hardest working man in show business. Welcome to the program. I'm glad to be here. I know everybody's working hard. This is a fun week. Got the AFC Championship game coming up. Season continues. Offseason pushed back. It's a good thing. Maybe one of the five greatest Titans fans of all time is a young man by the name of Andy Garrison. Andy Garrison I've known for a long, long time. Andy Garrison hits me on a text last night and says, where is the OTP? (laughs) I got a couple of those on the Twitter machine today. He wants to know where the OTP is because it's normally on Wednesday. Um, We are recording it on Thursday, and it is because I was away. I was in Houston yesterday morning, and we were hopeful that with the NFL Centennial class, we thought that our founder, Bud Adams, could be part of that as one of the three contributors. Unfortunately, and we were with Amy Adams Strunk, we were there at her uh, invitation with other KSA employees at the main office of Mr. Adams' company, people who had worked for Mr. Adams, and it was emotional. I mean, it was emotional to be there in hopes that it was going to happen, and when it didn't, it was it was disappointing. Um, to her credit, though, Amy Adams Strunk wanted to congratulate the 15 members of the Centennial class on camera. She wanted to do an interview. And so we did an interview and we put that out via all of our platforms. And uh, I thought it was, I thought it was really, really something. I'm not going to go into my whole diatribe about why I think Bud Adams deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Because I do, and I feel strongly about it. Let me just read you one thing. Okay. This is from the Kansas City Chiefs. AFC championship game release, okay? That's what I have right here. In the connections page, Chiefs founder Lamar Hunt and Titans founder Bud Adams were both instrumental figures in the founding of the AFL as each claimed charter franchises in the league. The pair of pioneers were also critical figures in the 1970 AFL-NFL merger shaping the landscape of the NFL today. That's from the Chiefs' release. Well, yep. It's not from the Titans' release. It's from the Chiefs' release. The man who founded the Chiefs 
His name is on the AFC Championship trophy. And they include our founder as another pioneer, which to me, if you just read that, wouldn't you think, hmm, I would imagine both of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Well, first of all, if you know anything about the National Football League, you don't even need to read that. But I did. And yeah. to, to me, it look, there is no NFL as it is right now without Bud Adams. Right. And so that's end of story. Yep, I agree. Anybody you talk to about Mr. Adams, that's the first thing they say is you can't write the history of the NFL without Bud Adams. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, I agree with Amy. I, mean, I think everyone that got in and the three contributors you look at all did great things for the league. Uh, so it's it's hard to knock any of the three. But All right, we, so let me give you the first question then. Who in the Centennial class surprised you? You know, I don't know that I was surprised. I mean, I think I was surprised that Mr. Adams didn't make it. I mean, I, I think if I had to say, as you're talking about contributors, I have to say I'm probably a little bit surprised at Paul Tagliabue just because of some of the background and some of the history there and the controversy that surrounds him being selected. I think if someone surprised me that they got in, that's probably who it would be. For me, it was probably Steve Sable based on the fact that his dad got in as a regular contributor, and I think he would have gotten in at some point in the near future as a regular contributor. Most of the people that were thought of for this group were people who had been overlooked. Steve Sable was certainly never going to be overlooked. He was going into the Hall of Fame. I just I was surprised he went in with this group. That's all. He yeah. certainly deserves it. Don't get me wrong. Is it my turn? Sure. The one that surprised me was Jim Colbert because he was on that great Bears team, and I thought they had forgotten about Jimbo. You know, because I would look, I was there with him. One of the best. I mean, he was like Bruce Matthews. If he had not have been hurt, he was one of the he was one of the most pure tackles I've ever seen. He went he went an entire season without giving up a sack when I was there. This guy was a, a fantastic player, and he was also a fantastic human being. He really was. I thought that he had been passed up long enough, and there are a lot of, you know, he's the, he's a sixth member of that team mm -hmm. to, to be on. So we had some real players on that team, and I, and I was so happy that he got in. I thought that it surprised me that he finally did. I'm glad he did. And Jimbo Covert was the reason they did this. He was the type of guy who the regular committee probably wouldn't have gotten to because there's so many other more recent candidates that come up. Correct. And that's why I thought this was such a good idea to do this. Amy? Yeah, I uh, I agree with kind of what both of you have said. I thought that Steve Sable would go in a different class right. later on. I thought that this was more for people who had been overseen. And he, it, Steve Sable hasn't even had the chance to be overlooked yet. Right. You know, there just has enough time hasn't passed. And I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs just said everything that I thought about Bud Adams. He deserves to be in. I thought that this was the shot given kind of the uh, the pageantry around the 100 years and all of the history that we've been looking at. I thought that this was the year. And so I'm very surprised that he's not in. The name that you thought got left out outside of Mr. Adams the name that you thought got left out that stood out to you the most Dave McGinnis Drew Pearson I mean Drew Pearson is the only member of that group you know the only member of the of the of the uh, all decades team that's not in there and Harold Carmichael who got in was second team second team all decades Drew Pearson was first team all decades let me just say something else too and I and again I I've been 
like a lot of y'all, I've been in this a long time. And, you know, and for our listeners, you know, the, pre- the presenter for all three of those contributors was Sal Palantonio. They're in Philadelphia, Sable Tagliabue and Harold Carmichael. And again, I don't know how the room went. You know, I don't know what the, the gist was, but that's pretty unusual. Interesting. Who, who surprised you didn't get in? I, mean, I think Pearson is the one that jumped out to me, too. I, I, and I think what disappointed me about the whole process is just how they, they did it. I mean, I think it's been cool how Jimmy Johnson and uh, Bill Cowher got surprise, surprise announcements, which I think is a, a good step for the Hall of Fame to make. But the way they unveiled it yesterday, and Andrew Pearson came to mind because I know he was set up and they had cameras ready for him, just like you know, just like you were there with the Titans online crew for Amy Adams Strunk. I just think that's such an agonizing process when tough. you're saying, "Okay, we're going to unveil this from six to nine uh, on NFL Network." I kind of uh, anticipated that they would make the reveal at the beginning and then maybe celebrate these guys throughout, but to make them sit through. Three hours of that. Well, and and she and she did not know. There was no call beforehand to say yes or no. It's not going to happen. And, and and I mean, obviously, Harold Carmichael and Donnie Shell knew beforehand because yeah. they were miraculously in the studio for Good Morning Football. But yeah, I mean, that was it was tough because I you know, I, I think I saw the Drew Pearson tweets. Uh, I think Paul Jones from from Dallas that used to be here yeah, in sure. Nashville. He was it was dark outside there, just like it was dark. A lot of places at, at six o'clock in the morning, and uh, so they were there with him, kind of waiting to go through this day in anticipation of him getting in, and then the call never came. I, I think that was disappointing how they had to kind of twist in the wind like that. Who's your surprise that was left out, Amy? Bud Adams was mine. Okay. He was the guy that I expected. The, mine is Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall, the defensive lineman who started his career in Canadian football. Cleveland Browns in 19 years, best known with the Minnesota Vikings, 127 sacks. He was part of the Purple People Eaters. He was a great player. I guess he suffers because it was so long ago. He's now been out of the game 40 years. Mm -hmm. He played on a defense that, that Alan Page was really the big star, and I guess that he's not He's not realized for that fact. But here's what I want to know from from especially from Jim, a longtime reporter, and Coach Mack, a longtime person in the NFL. And, and certainly, Amy, I want you to chime in too. The play Jim Marshall is best known for mm-hmm. is a boneheaded play. He picked up a fumble against the San Francisco 49ers in 1964, and he ran the wrong way. It ended up being a safety. Wrong way, Marshall, and 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 I mean it's a it's a thing. I mean, start with you from a perception standpoint. How much do you think it hurt? I mean, it certainly doesn't diminish his whole career. But the fact is, that's the if you Google him, that's going to be the first thing that comes up is him running the wrong way, fifty six years ago in a game, instead of running to the end zone, running through his own end zone. How much do you think that hurts him? I don't know if that hurts him. I mean, it hurts his reputation just because well, you're right. Well, that's my point. Yeah, but in, in the eyes of the committee, I mean, I would hope that they would look past that and realize that this guy was a hell of a football player. But for me, that's the first thing I think sure. of whenever I hear his name mentioned. Just like, uh, is it Leonard Lett uh, with, with Dallas? Leon Lett. <laughs> Leon Lett, I'm sorry. Uh, that's the fir- first thing I think of is a play that he made. That uh, Two. Yeah. <laughs> 
He had, <laughs> yeah, the, he he had, had the, the fumble. He had the, the fumble Don B- in B- the end zone. Tracked him down. It, uh, Don Beebe tracked yep. him down in the Super Bowl, and then he had the fumble in the snow in Dallas in the game against Miami that cost the Cowboys a game. He slid, inst- recovered, a, put his hands on a block yep. kick, and should have never done it. So I mean, that's the first thing I think of it, it, as far as the committee goes. I, you would hope that they would look past that, but as far as his reputation goes, that's I always remember that and. Uh, you know, seeing that play and seeing him go the wrong way and seeing people realize that, hey, you're going the wrong way, and then him throwing the ball in celebration oh. that ends up being in a safety. I mean, it's a shame, but that's what he is known for. So painful. If that affected this committee, then you need another committee. Okay. I mean, this guy was a magnificent player. Mm-hmm. A magnificent player. He really was. And to be able to, to have had that happen to him, he had to be playing. And he played really well. I, I don't think it it comes up first because, you know. It's the highlight. Well, it's the highlight. And it's like Joe Green used to tell me a lot of times, you know, Joe Green worked for me for eight years in Arizona. And Joe Green's got a fairly good grasp on what the National Football League is, you know, for a lot of reasons. And so when things would not be going good there and we'd get a lot of outside noise, he'd say, Coach Mack, he'd come into my office and say, don't let what the shoe clerks are saying out there bother you they know shoes they don't know football so if shoe clerk said that that's why he's not in then they need to sell shoes so ironic for me i sold shoes for <laughs> that's what i was just about to say uh, <laughs> that was my college job thank you coach uh, just saying so amy wells i'm going to throw it to you in a different way yes amy adams strunk and the fact that in a moment like that, which is obviously disappointing, and she knew that it could go the wrong way, but the fact that she wanted to go on camera and say something to Titans Nation says a lot about who she really, not PR-wise, but says a lot about who she really is. Absolutely. She had every opportunity to say, you know what, this didn't Punt. go the way we wanted it to go. Thank you guys for coming and hanging out with me. This was fun. See you later. Like, that would be very easy for her to do. For her to have the kind of foresight to know that people want to hear from her, really no matter when. But Titans fans want to hear from her. Titans Nation wants to hear from her. Even if things don't go the way that we want them to go or she wants them to go, she's still willing to talk and she's willing to Um, congratulate those who deserve, but also to redirect and say, hey, we still have all of these other things going on. So even in a moment of disappointment that she had that kind of grace and that ability to really speak, I think that that just speaks to the person that she is. I mean, I thought it was, you know, I I watched the piece immediately when it came up and I was so impressed for those reasons. I mean, it, 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 what class, I mean, just class and, and so genuine. And and it just if you watch that and you and you you knew that this franchise is experiencing success, if you really want to know why, all you have to do is watch that piece huh? because it all comes from the top down. She was marvelous. She was fantastic. And those of us that are fortunate enough to be around her a lot know that that was genuine. I mean, that's who she is. I mean, that's how, since she's taken over. She's gone out of her way to show up at tailgates, show up in parking lots of stadiums when it's, you know, below zero. I mean, she's been doing that, and she doesn't do it for the, for the news clips or for people to see. It's not orchestrated. It's not a marketing-driven thing. It's it's her doing it because she wants to do it. I mean, just watch her on the sideline before games when she comes out and 
and and speaks to fans and she feels that connection yeah she does and that's why i think this team feels the connection to her let me say something else about leadership too sure i mean that that displayed such a a a great feel for what leadership really is because it's very easy to lead from out front when things are going great but what she did and the way she stepped up like that that just that speaks volumes i mean it was i was i was really proud to be involved with this franchise when i when i saw the you two and and the piece that you guys did and what she did and the way she handled it and i think amy wells said it perfectly she handled it not only professionally she handled it with sincere grace which was very 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 impressive and her idea she said we can still do the interview if you want to do it i said anytime we can have you speak we want you to speak so but it was her idea and i she's pretty special i mean what are you gonna do say no and i think coach (laughs) mack and 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 jim and, and amy have hit it right on the head let's move to ball okay Dave McGinnis, do you believe that the national media believes the Tennessee Titans can beat the Kansas City Chiefs? Let's go back to my shoe clerk okay. comment. <laughs> I'm with you. They have not believed in this team ever since they were 2-4. and four. They have not. They still don't. And you know how much that matters? Close your eyes and tell me what you see. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much what they think matters. The only thing that matters is what these people think that are involved in it. I think some of them want to believe. They do not want to believe. You, do, you think they don't? No, they, because they, they, they got no clue. Okay. They've got no clue. All this right, is, Jim, what's your take? I'll, I'll tell, tell you who does shift. believe. Just a minute. I'll tell you who does believe. <laughs> okay. We're looking out a window right now at these, these three practice fields. That's who believes. Right. It's true. I see a coyote out there. That's not a real coyote. <laughs> don't start that again, Jim. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen a shift in recent weeks. Uh, I, I think the majority do not believe and, uh, and are shocked by what happened in New England, shocked by what happened in Baltimore, and kind of expecting uh, the Chiefs to win on Sunday in advance of the Super Bowl. But I, I will say I have seen, um, you know, national reporters and seen a lot of stuff on social media where people are starting to give the titans some credit and uh it's not a smoke and mirrors deal this is not a houston astros stealing signals in the back room i mean the titans are doing it and uh they're doing it for everybody to see with uh not a lot of smoke and mirrors one note though speaking of being in houston the greatest thing that happened to Bill O'Brien was the Houston Astros scandal. No yeah, kidding. It was the greatest thing. The quick, no no guy has ever gotten luckier <laughs> with publicity than Bill O'Brien based on what happened hours later with the Astros. That's Bill's probably true. outside or out front in his garage beating on a trash can with, the <laughs> with his Astros hat on. Amy Wells, you wanted to say? I think that to Jim's point, more people are talking about the Titans. I do not think that they expect us to win but now so many people have been exposed for vehemently picking against the titans that now they have to cover themselves a little bit and so they say things like i think the chiefs are going to win but man this titans team seems to be okay right like they have to give us some sort of credit because of all the times that they have seen clips of themselves played back to them now saying this titans team is trash so if this were a reality show uh-huh. like survivor or the bachelor we're the cute girl on the bachelor 
or the funny person on Survivor that people would be pulling for but they don't think is going to win. Yes, we are the crazy girl who everyone thinks there's no chance that she'll win this thing, but God, she's entertaining. So they've got to keep her on for one more one more episode. That's who we are. And oh, they're wow. like, oh, there's no chance this chick wins. But we got to keep her here because, man, people keep watching. That's the Tennessee Titans right now. Oh, interesting mm-hmm. analogy. But that it is... works. I, I, but I, I mean, I get it. I was watching Good Morning Football this morning. And Kyle Brandt is more pro-Titans than anybody on that set. Nate Burleson, he's sort of in the Titans camp, sort of. Schrager's not. Kay Adams is sort of trying to get there, but it's like they can't quite. They're the, afraid the of being The only one burned. that's there is Brandt, but uh-huh. the rest of them are like, well, they're intrigued. They're not insulting. They're mm-hmm. not demeaning, but they can't go all the way because – now, Schrager, to his credit, he's picked the Chiefs pretty much all along. And, and why, after you saw him last weekend, why would you get off the Chiefs bandwagon right now? Right. But I guess what I've noticed is people keep finding these very obscure stats and these very strange things that they fixate on. Stop but- looking at me when you say that. <laughs> well- Obscure stats. That's kind of your thing. <laughs> but like, and then they'll fixate Shoe on that and say. Salesman, obscure stats. You're having I a feel bad day. Very judged yeah. today. You're, you're having a, a bad day. It you. really you has. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> After I got up at four o'clock in the morning yesterday in Houston. Uh. <laughs> but they keep fixating on these things and then. It's like, well, this is obviously proof that the Tennessee Titans can't win because right. Ryan Tannehill's not throwing the ball a lot or because, I don't know, right. it's going to be cloudy. Well, let me go there. Yeah. All right, so my next question was going to be, the Titans have won two playoff games throwing 31 times overall. Mariota's thrown once, Henry's thrown once, Tannehill's thrown 29 times. Do they throw more or less than 31 times in Kansas City, Dave McGinnis? More than 15, less than 31. Okay. So more than in the other two games. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That's like he's, a Price is Right game there. He's got to be, gotta be get him we in got between. got the yodeling man <laughs> going exactly up right. the hill. Well, and normally those guys win the prize. They do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Tannehill threw 19 times when he beat them November the 10th. Correct. What do you think, Jim? I think it's less than uh, 31. I think it's in the 20 range. I agree with Jim. I think it's somewhere in the 20s. We're not getting anywhere close to 31, though. I think it's close to 30, if not over. Really? Yep. Really? I, well, think they, I think they have a chance to have success throwing the football. Is there a point caveat associated with that, Mike no, Keith? No. Okay. Just wondering. I think they have a chance to have success because these guys haven't seen A.J. Brown. Remember the first game? One catch, 17 yards. Corey Davis, no presence. I, I, think, there's a, I think there are some chances in this game to take advantage of matchups with receivers. Do, well, do you want to get in a shootout with them? That's a, that's. I mean, I think it's a Absolutely shootout. Absolutely not. I, I think yeah. it's a shootout regardless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derrick Henry ran for 188 yards in the first game, and the Titans shouldn't have won. I mean, by all rights, if they if they convert the field goal at 35-27. Well, we also recovered a fumble for a touchdown. Ran, ran a fumble back for a touchdown, yeah. I think I, I saw Judy Batista said this team would have to score 50 points to win. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I willing mean, to do whatever it takes. All, first of all, who is that? No, Judy Batista. She's, she's great. The best. And, and I don't watch any of this. And, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but she's New York Times. She's uh, yeah, and, and and we're in Nashville. But I understand. Uh, <laughs> I've never I'm taken paid, a hit. I'm cutting this show off. Uh-uh. I, I've never paid attention to any of those. It's just getting good, Mike. Outside, but we we won't have to score fifty-one. 
But I but think you to have Mike to Mike Keith's be, point, okay. and again, I'm going to interrupt here. Mike Keith's point is he is correct in saying this. The genesis of this passing game, we all know where it comes from, but we do have a chance to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying no, come out and go five wide. I'm saying I think there are plays to – and they hey, they made plays in the passing game in the first half in, in Baltimore. That, you're 100% what did, right. What did we so throw, four times the second half once – once the lead yeah, was established, don't mm-hmm. get that. Don't get that twisted. Is you're 100 percent right with mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, Ugh. how about some OTPQs, Amy Wells? I've got them. Right. I have OTPQs, and this is kind of the international version, although we're starting in Alabama, so not yet. Uh, this one is for Coach Mack, but I would like everyone's opinion. So this is Paul from Huntsville. He said, Mac, you regularly talk about traits. Many people question the hiring of Mike Vrabel based on inexperience as a head coach and not much of on-field success as the defensive coordinator for a banged-up Texans team. Can you talk about Mike Vrabel's traits as a coach and what makes him such a good and, I believe, great head coach? First of all, that is a, that's a great question. I mean, it's very insightful. But let me just say this. Every head coach in the National Football League, I've been one, has to be a first-year head coach sometime. Sometime it has to be your first year. (laughs) And so, you know, to say that, you know, you're inexperienced, I mean, when you get your first job as a head coach in the National Football League, you've got a lot of experience. You just don't have experience as a head coach. And I, I said this from from day one. I think early on with with when with Mike Keith and with Amy Wells, you know, just watching him on the field early, he reminds me so much of a of a man that gave me my start in this business that I just respect and and really revere more than, is Mike Ditka. A great history as a player, as a championship player, but just got it. Got the gets the league from a lot of different areas you've got to have depth as a head coach understanding not just the x's and o's of what goes on there's so much more than that that goes into being a head coach in the national football league and especially in this day and age mike dicka commands respect immediately when he walks into a room because of what he has done Mm -hmm. mike vrabel understands this league from a player's perspective and from a deep player's perspective the way that he's got his finger on the pulse of this football team, and I'm not just I'm not talking about what he's putting on the on the blackboard for him. I am talking about the way that he is getting has gotten them ready since he's become the head coach and since the the the, the what he's established here, the culture that he and John Robinson have established here, it's in concrete and it's real. So those traits are are much more important than anything. Look, you can have good coaches that can have bad tenures at places just because the circumstances aren't right. Or, as he well points out, some of the players were injured and hurt. This this was a great hire. This was an insightful hire by Amy Adams Strunk and and John Robinson. This is not that I know everything, but you'll both admit that we would stand there and I'd say, this guy's a ball coach. You've said it. There's so much more to being, and as Coach Mike said so well, I mean, so much more to being a head coach and just whether or not you're right on your fourth and three calls and whether you decide to go for it or, or whether you run Brett Kern on a trick play that doesn't work. I mean, early this season, people were wanting him fired for some of these calls, but you got to look at the big picture and, and the way he has his team 
buying in to the plan each week and the way they want to fight for each other and the way they want to fight for him and the way he looks after him on the practice field and has them primed at the best time of the year. And he has a great grasp on what this, what the team uh, needs to do each week to attack the other team's opponents, letting his coordinators coach. And, uh, you know, I'm with Coach Mack. I mean, I think he's uh, – proven to be a, a great coach and I think you got a lot of reasons to be optimistic moving forward with him in charge. Dion from Melbourne, Australia. My question is what has sparked this defensive performance over the last two weeks? I know they're facing a pretty daunting task this week in the Chiefs but other than the return of Adoree Jackson what have you guys noticed over the past two weeks? Jim I'll start with you. I mean I just think they're the plan Dean Peace has put in you know whether it's you know the what he's done against Tom Brady and the Patriots to what he did against Lamar Jackson, just adjusting the plan each week. Obviously, getting a Dory Jackson back helps. I just think across the board, guys have bought into the plan and have just executed very well, and I, I, a lot of guys are playing well. That goes back to our, our, our first answer for Paul in Huntsville. Look, this, this football team every week puts a plan together that is complementary football. They do exactly what they need to do with each, with all three elements of the of the team to beat the opponent at hand, and that's why it's so good. Look, Dean Pease, we, he's a master strategist, but this strategy that he has also incorporates what is going on on the offensive side of the ball and also with the special teams to beat a particular opponent. Look, you can you can do as you can do anything that you want on one side of the ball, but if you're doing it independently of what's happening within the context of a game plan week to week, then basically it's not going to work. You've got to be able to play complementary football, and that takes a plan by everybody, and it goes back to the leadership of the head coach. Alejandro from Victoria, British Columbia. What player or unit matchup? By the way, it is beautiful there. Really? My, maybe my favorite place in the world. Really? Yes, ma'am. Well, I didn't know that about you, Mike Key. I just thought I'd throw that. I didn't know you spent a lot of time in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, what play it or unit matchup are you most eager to see in this upcoming game? And I would like to hear from all three of you. Coach Mack, you start. The matchup? Mm-hmm. I think it's our secondary against this track team they've got over there on the other side. The only thing that they're missing to be a world-class track team is a baton. <laughs> I mean, they are... <laughs> This group can He's run. He's not run. wrong. No, this group can run, run, and not just one of them, all of them. And so it's going to be very interesting to see the concepts and the matchup of what goes on, you know, with, with our coverage unit against those people. Because to be able to keep that many of them under control is is it's going to be a masterful job. I mean, that's that's me. That's what I want to look at. For me, it's how the Titans handle Travis Kelsey, what they do with the tight end. He was the most productive tight end in the NFL this year. He's the only tight end in NFL history with four straight 1,000-yard seasons. I mean, he's a weapon. And because of the track team, that opens up so many things for him. So what do the Titans do with him? I'm going to be fascinated to see, is it Bayard? Is it Vaccaro? Is it Jayon Brown? Is it a combination? Do they do they put Amani Hooker on him? Some is it some sort of double team? I'm gonna be interested to see what they do. Yeah, I mean that, that, those those are very intriguing to me too. I guess I'll st- go to the offensive side and just see how this team's able to to move the football, running the ball again, and without them, with Chris Jones being a big question mark for them, um, 
He's dealing with a calf. Is that right? Correct. And uh, no. I think he should take the week off. <laughs> I That's agree. Me. I, I care about his future. Yeah. For his own well-being? For his yeah. own well-being. My thing is the young man needs to be well. He may have some things he wants to do in the coming months. Or in life. Or in life. Right. So take time and off. Relax. To be cold right. a calf and cold weather. It's life. just a game. <laughs> that's all. That's <laughs> what we're yeah, saying well, to Chris Keith, Jones. You've always been a compassionate man. Uh, that's it. That's, a, that's what I'm all about. That's why I have all those humanitarian awards. So, so this team has been able to move, and the offensive line's done a great job moving the line of scrimmage. He is. He is. Please, please. So, can this team continue to do what it's done, um, moving, running the football with the offensive line against their defensive front? And and he's a big part of it. I say that's pretty good. Yeah, I promise you this. Steve Spagnuolo's massaging his calf every day. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Jones is just a beast. Yes, he is. He he can rush the pass. I mean, he has twenty four and a half sacks the last two years, and he plays the run. Yeah, he's Ooh. all right. He's fine. Oh, he's Whatever. really good. <laughs> Whatever. Take the week off, young man. <laughs> Think about your future. All right, here's the last one. Speaking of, well, the past, actually. This is from Lauren in Bowling Green, Kentucky. She says, do Mike Keith and Jim Wyatt look at this upcoming game against the Chiefs a lot like when the 1999 Titans were about to go to the 14-2 and Jags for the AFC after the Jags scored 62 in the divisional round sure did. before the Titans played them at their place. She says, I was eight years old then and was at the Music City Miracle game, but I was too young to remember the national media talk and the talk around the town about how we would match up against them, even though we had beaten them twice earlier that year, just like we've beaten the, t- the Chiefs a lot recently. Thank you. It's a good point. I remember Fred Taylor, uh, again, every time the Titans beat the Jags that year, he kept saying the Jags had the better team and then going into that game in Jacksonville after they had been on quite a roll. I don't think people gave the Titans much of a chance then, so I, I do see some similarities there. I think that's a good good comparison. Well, and it was supposed to be a coronation. That was the other part of it. There was supposed to be no way the Titans could stop them the Titans were roughly a touchdown underdog. They were going on the road, and it was supposed to be a coronation because Jacksonville had been building up to that for four years. They had been building up to that moment. They had a surprise in 96 where they made the conference finals, but Tom Coughlin had built something very special there, and they probably were more talented than the Titans. But it was a bad matchup. The Titans were a bad matchup for them for some reason. And you ask, if if the Titans win this game this week, you probably will say it's largely because the Titans were a bad matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs, if that turns out to be what happened. Yeah, I've thought about it. Sure. Interesting. Good question. It, it, has, the same, it, uh, question. it has the same sort of feel. Well, and it turned out well the last time. The temperature won't have the same feel this weekend. It will not. It, it was will warm not. down there that day, and it was uh, supposed to be a high of, I think, 22 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Keeps going it was down. 22 Celsius there that day in Jacksonville. It was <laughs> quite warm. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to skip ahead because we've got to get to Coach Vrabel's press conference, and we've, we've chatted a good bit. So I'm going to ask the question I asked last week, and I'm going to ask it to Coach Mack first. Outside of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, give me a Titans player who must have a good game for the team to have a chance to win on Sunday in Kansas City in the AFC championship game. John O. Smith and the play action elements in the middle of the field. Ooh. Ooh. That was coach. That was, that was good. Coach just bringing it. Jim Wyatt. I'm going A.J. Brown. I don't think they're throwing it over 31. I think they're going to throw it. They're going to have to throw it. 
And uh, I'm going A.J. Brown. Well, and they... with the news. <laughs> <laughs> it's my intro music. <laughs> you guys, excuse me. I need to take this a minute. It's Judy Batista. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, I want to be on the record to say I love Judy Batista. I too. So I'm, I'm like the, I'm like a huge Judy Batista fan. So I don't want her thinking that I'm everybody. Introduce I, you. Say I didn't like her. I know you didn't, but you would, not, you would really like her. Well, I'm sure I would. Tell her to call me. Okay. <laughs> you got so many people calling you for interviews. She would love you, actually. Mm-hmm. She would love Coach Mack. Well, that's a high recommendation. I'm a Judy fan. That's all I have to say. She's a talent, man. Yes, I agree. Okay, Amy Wells. I think I. Either A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. I don't care who it is. Can be both if they want to, but one of them needs to have a day and put points on the board for this team. Kevin Byard. Okay. Kevin Byard coming off his best game of the year. The pick was great because that's Byard-esque. That's why we know him as the mayor of Murfreesboro. The 11 tackles and the fact that he played in the run game and that he tackled the way he did. He and Vaccaro and Ryan and those guys were fantastic. They need another big game out of Kevin Byard. This is a game where he can make the difference coming out of the sky. That's mine. Yeah, that's a good one. Are we ready to do some what's brewing? Let's do it. Yes. Yes. Only fitting. The great taste plant-based Beyond Sausage sandwich from Dunkin' is here with 10 grams of Beyond Sausage plant-based protein in between a toasted English muffin and delicious egg and cheese. Mm-mm. Dunkin' has created a brand new way to start your day so you can add a plant-based boost to your mornings. America runs on Dunkin'. Amy Wells, what is brewing with you? Um, the outpouring of fan support just overall has been truly incredible. I... I'm going to try and get through this without getting a little weepy because I get myself all worked up every time. But the way that this city has shown up for this Titans team, the way that fans around the country, around the world have shown up for this Titans team has been bananas. It's the greatest thing. I am so excited that fans are getting to have this moment, are getting to celebrate with this team as they have this success. I just think that it is the greatest thing, especially for fans who hung in here for so long. Like Roddy Story at NBA Mm -hmm. who got up and spoke to those young men. Yes. And uh, was reading his version of The Raven and substituted Derrick Henry and then threw it into the crowd. Roddy Story's a guy who skipped – he was he's an MBA graduate. Mm-hmm. He skipped to attend the parade. <laughs> That's awesome. And got 25 demerits. Yeah. He had to go to time school, but he was a student and so 20 years later, he now goes to the games with his son and his dad and he's up there in front of those boys at MBA uh, throwing it out to them, and they're all fired up. And uh, th- those kind of moments get me pumped up. I love that. That is it's so, so cool. solid. That's it's solid. It's so cool. So, for the fans that are wanting to celebrate this Sunday, there's a million different places you can go. Let me list them really quick. Arrowhead Stadium. Arrowhead Stadium would be <laughs> the on. first place. Go to Arrowhead. It's going to be cold, wear a coat, but go out to Arrowhead Stadium. If you are staying in Nashville, the Tennessee Titans will be hosting two watch parties, George Jones and Nashville Underground. They both start at 1 o'clock. Go to either one of those places. You can go to the Outdoor Titans Watch Party on Broadway. Bring a chair, bring a blanket, sit down, watch the game. Wear a coat. Wear a coat. You can wear a coat to that one, too. Or get on an airplane, go into Kansas City. We are going to be at Johnny's Tavern in Kansas City 
on Saturday Saturday night. night. Saturday night. I'm very confused. 7 o'clock is when that starts. It's the same place that we were two years ago. Coach Mack tore it down. Yeah, where Mike. Tore it down. Mike and Coach Mack lit the place on fire that night. Coach Mack really did. Watch really it on did. YouTube. I was going to say, I there. might whip that video back it's out. It's still just the greatest that thing. That was on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, yeah. was the be- it was the greatest. It's one of the greatest moments in Titans history. I yeah. said on the radio, uh, we are returning to the scene of the crime. That's- we sure are. <laughs> All right, Jim White, what's brewing with you? Well, I'm kind of piggybacking uh, off of Amy just as far as the uh, as far as far the excitement and things building up. This just kind of reminds me of that 99 to 2003 stretch where this team was in the playoffs and you could feel the excitement build. I mean, just in the locker room and here at the complex yesterday, you had Tiffany Blackman from NFL Network, who we certainly know she's been around here on a pretty regular basis. Danny Coach Rus- Mack, you would like her. I yes. know. I love Tiff. Yeah. Tiff's awesome. I, know T- I knew Tiff's dad. Okay. Yeah, Danny Danny was a really good linebacker in this league. Diana Racine from Tiff. ESPN's here. Bill Cowers here. Tyler Dunn from Bleacher Reports here. Cameron Wolf, who used to be here with ESPN, is here out of town. Uh, you know, Knoxville, I know, had a station here. There were some other yeah, markets. WVLT. So, <laughs> and the locker room yesterday was packed with uh, reports. And some of the players were pretty funny. And they're like, who who are these people? Uh, uh, well, this and, is what happens. Yeah. And you've been around long yes. enough to see it. Yeah, so it kind of reminds you of, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And um, so – Hope, and and to see what it could be like next week and the couple of weeks uh, that follow uh, as you're excited. But this team's got to take care of business first. Here's what's generating all that excitement. Here's what's brewing for Coach Mack. Since week nine, we've had 44 scoring drives. 43 of them have ended in touchdowns. Only one has ended in a field goal. It's crazy. Wow. That's what's generating this excitement. It'll continue this week. Nice. I like that. All right, so what's brewing with me? I have two numbers for you. 179 and 2,209. 179 and 2,209. The Kansas City Chiefs have scored 179 points outside of the red zone. Hmm. 11 points a game outside of the red zone. Track team. 2,209 yards after the catch. Hmm. Track team. Track team. Both of those figures are number one in the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, tackle, tackle, tackle. If the Titans' defense can keep doing what they've done against a much faster opponent than either of the last two, they're going to have a good shot to win this ball game. But it is much easier said than done because this is an Olympic relay team. They, they have great speed. They score from anywhere on the field. They do great things with short passes. If this defense, if if Bayard and Vaccaro and Ryan and Brock and Jackson and Hooker and Brown and Evans and Crookshank and whomever else is going to play there can just get them on the ground. Okay, catch it. Fine. That That's going to happen. Get them on the ground. Make them drive the football. That's the secret to this defense is they're talented enough that if they can make you drive it, at some point, Dean Pease is going to get you. He's going to get you. He's going to force you to punt. He's going to force you to try a field goal, or he's going to take it away. But the first two games in the playoffs, they've been able to do it against receiving cores that are not nearly as physically impressive as this group. 
And this is the challenge of the ball game to me. Don't let them have big plays. Don't let them have the run after the catch. That's what's brewing with me. I'm stressed. That's a, don't be stressed. He's 100% stressed. right. But you've seen That's this, the challenge. You've seen this defense all year spot tackle. Got to do it. He's talking about spot tackling, which is what they stress. Here's the other thing, though. So the Titans at this point, the other stat that jumps out to me, they've given up 16 of 31 third down conversions to the Patriots and to the Ravens. Five of those, five of nine, are third and 10 plus. Cannot do that. This weekend, if you can get Mahomes in third and 10 plus, you've got to get off the field. Jim White, how do people follow you on the social media? At Jay White Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Amy Wells, how do people follow you on the social media? At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. And where are we again Saturday night in Kansas City? Is it Johnny's? We are at Johnny's Tavern. It is in Power and Light. So if you walk in there, you'll see Titans Blue. It's right by the entrance to you'll Power and Coach Light. You'll see Coach Mac. You'll see Coach Mac screaming and hollering. You'll hear it. <laughs> He's hard to miss. Um, But come out, really, truly. Mike, you and I went to the pep rally before the game in Baltimore, and it was so much fun. The people were awesome. Yeah, they're just the coolest thing. So if you're in Kansas City, please, please come out. If you're in Nashville, go to a watch party. I don't care where it is. It could be at your friend Steve's house, but go somewhere and watch this game because I don't think you're going to want to miss it. It's going to be something else. Mm-hmm. Coach Mack and I will be on Titans Radio. Our coverage starts on Titans Radio at noon Central Time. It's a 2.05 Central Time kick. The only place you can hear Coach Mack and Amy and Rhett and Jonathan um, and, and myself is actually going to be on 104.5 in Nashville. You can tune into your Titans Radio station and you can get the pre- and post-game. But the game that you will hear outside of 104.5 in Nashville will be Westwood 1. That is the NFL's regulation because Westwood 1 has the networking rights for radio in the championship games and in the Super Bowl. So if you want to listen to us, we're on 104.5. Everywhere else, you will be tuning into your Titan station and hearing Westwood 1, but you'll be able to hear our pregame and our postgame. So, again, not our choice. Not your Titans radio station's choice. It's a league deal. We apologize, but want you to know that up front. Unless you tune in and go, gosh, this is a lot better than normal. Well, then, then that's not as good. Yeah, then but, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. These guys, Wait, these are real professionals. These guys really seem to know what's going wow, on. Much better than oh, the normal new. guys. That would never happen. <laughs> I hope not. I know the dude's doing it for Westwood One. Who? Okay. Not as good. Kevin Harlan, come on. Oh, yeah, he's only – Kevin Harlan was named the National Broadcaster of the Year this week. Well, he's not Mike Keith. No, he's really fantastic. Kevin yeah, Harlan. Yeah, I mean, he's fine, but, like, whatever. He's not Mike. Tremendous. <laughs> now, but the problem is, you know, he used to be the Chiefs broadcaster. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to – now, he'll be totally fair – but mm-hmm. there will be people who will say he's not. All due respect, Kevin Harlan is a great dude. He is yeah. the best. Nice as Judy the... Batista, but fine. Kevin Harlan <laughs> is a great broadcaster and a better human being. So don't anybody say anything negative about him, period. For Dave McGinnis, for Amy Wells, and for the great Jim White, Mike Keith thanks you for listening to the Thursday edition of the OTP. OTP.